Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Today's date is February 28. I am uh, Special Agent Monica Stramberg with the Illinois State Police Division of Internal Investigation. With me in the room are... Investigator Rick Noble, Illinois Department of Corrections. And your man? Susan Prentice, Major, Pontiac Correctional Center. Prentice, P-R-E-N... In the winter of 2019, Susan Prentice sat down with two investigators. The man is from the Department of Corrections. The woman is from the state police. For the most part, she takes the lead. You don't have to talk to me. If you don't like the line of questioning, I'm going down. You can say, I'm done, Monica. Okay. Then you can walk out. Okay. Are we good with that? We're good with that. All right, so with that said, would you... Go ahead and sign right here that you understand that. I've been trying to get a guard from Pontiac to record an interview with me. It's a pretty tight-lipped community. But now, here was a recorded conversation with one. And not just anyone. Susan Prentice. She's a major. That's a pretty high-ranking correctional officer. Someone supervising other staff. And her name comes up a lot. Jimia Stokes, the mental health worker from the last episode, first mentioned her to me. I would describe Susan Prentice as the devil. And I say that with all sincerity. And many of the men incarcerated at Pontiac said similar things. Oh, yeah. They call her the, uh, the red devil. They call her princess. They call her the red dragon. Um, her reputation was if you didn't comply with whatever she told you to do, she would get the officers, and she would come to your cell, and, and they would jump on you. She don't like you. You you out. So if this who up top, why you think everybody else assholes? Like, she don't care about nothing. And Monica Strandberg, the state police officer, has heard about her from guards who have a different perspective. And everybody I talk to, Major Prentice is a rock star. We want to do things for her because, you know what, Major Prentice has my back. And if somebody has my back, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm going to fucking work my ass off for you. So this investigative interview, it's with a legend at Pontiac, an institution inside the institution. And once we learned there were tapes of Prentice and also people who worked with her, we spent years arguing back and forth with the help of lawyers to get our hands on them. Working here, and you work your way up the ranks. As you can hear, the first part of the Prentice interview doesn't sound very aggressive. Strandberg praises Prentice. And tells her, just like you, I was a guard at an Illinois prison. Yeah, before I became a police officer, worked there for many years. We've done a lot of the same things. I'm I'm not going to speak for you, but I know what I've had to do to gain respect from the fellas. Um, And we all back each other up 100%. I am very pro-police, pro-CO. I'm not a, what do you want It's hard to tell, but it seems like Prentice may not know yet if Strandberg is there to investigate a prisoner, to dig up dirt on one of her co-workers, or there to investigate her. Obviously, you have gained a boatload of respect, and uh, you know what goes on. And that's what we want to talk about today, about things that are going on here. Things that are going on here. I'd read reports written by Prentice and by people who worked under her. So I knew how they reported things that were going on in Pontiac. 
I knew the official stories, crafted on paper, of attacks on guards and efforts at discipline. What I didn't know, but was about to get a peek into, was what guards told each other about what was happening inside, in emails or after roll call, when they thought no one was looking. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Shannon Heffernan, and this is Motive. Episode 3, The Major and Her Crew. Always been a Pontiac. Yes. Really. Man. God bless you. How many years is that? Twenty-two. Twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it is. Major Prentice tells the investigators she goes by her middle name, Kim, and she's fifty-two years old. I've seen photos of her. She's petite, and from what I've seen, always looks put together. Another thing about her, she gets sued. A lot. Federal court records show she's been named in more than 100 cases. She's not always the focus of the lawsuit, sometimes just the supervisor. And prisoners do sue a bunch. But even considering that, that number is big. None of those cases ended with a finding against Prentice. But the state did pay to settle several. They run the gamut. Some are petty cases, but there's also cases that claim Prentice destroyed a prisoner's property. Another about her and other guards keeping a man from getting medical care. And a case about officers who worked under Prentice getting a prisoner to beat another prisoner up. That one settled for $50,000. Police culture is crazy. Firing culture. We all have our own little cliques. The community at Pontiac, from what I've heard from other staff and people in prison, is tight. As Strandberg talks to Prentice, she appears to be signaling in all these ways, I'm an insider in law enforcement, a former CO. You can talk to me like I'm one of your own. We all, I don't hang out, honestly, I really don't hang out with anybody but police officers. But people that we have the same mindset and we think the same way. After work, we went out, we had beer, and we all drank until it was time not to drink and go home. When it comes to the camaraderie, we get it. You know, you get, everybody talks amongst each other. Do they or don't they? Do yeah. do that? Yeah. Well, I'm friends with a few of them, but... As far as their personal lives, I mean, they don't, they don't bring anything that to me. Prentice must sense this is a thing she shouldn't say, that she's close with other staff, part of a tight-knit community. Because this, what she tells Strandberg, seems to be a lie, or at least not the full picture. Prentice's husband is a CO, a guard at a nearby prison. Her son is a guard, too, at Pontiac. And I used open records laws to get some of Prentice's emails. They are full of affection with lots of fellow staff, not just family. There's I love yous and I love you mores, plans to go out drinking, to crash at each other's house, chit-chat about the holidays or fights with family. In one email to a former co-worker, she writes, quote, I think DOC is just like the military as far as friends go. High-stress jobs so everyone kind of sticks together more. I always said I never had friends like I did in the Army until I started here. Mm-hmm. 
Pontiac, you've probably already gotten the sense, is a rough place to work. AFSME, the union that represents most guards, had organized a campaign about assaults against staff. And the court monitor, the man you heard from last episode about the mistreatment of prisoners with mental illness, he also said the guards were traumatized by working in this place. Strandberg asked Prentice about the wild stuff that happens. Being here from all these years, how many times have people thrown stuff on you? A whole lot. A lot. You've ever been beat up, shanked, stabbed, or whatever y'all call it? No. What type of substances have people thrown on you? Feces, um, urine, food. And we just go over to the healthcare unit and wash our hands or wash our face and get back over to work. You just get back to work? Yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of what we do. At this point, Strandberg gives Prentice a piece of paper. I imagine her sliding it across the table. Just tell me if you remember this incident. Yeah, it's my handwriting. Okay. So it doesn't... What, no, what this, does this, what does this mean? Oh, okay. He's SMI. This report um, that Prentice wrote is about a prisoner named Frederick Walker. He's officially designated SMI, seriously mentally ill. And Prentice reports that he threw something on her that smelled and looked like urine. Do you, do you remember this incident specifically? Um, I remember. No, not specific. Not a lot of specifics on it. It was brought to our attention that you had said to your husband regarding a use of force, I think it was water, but urine carries a longer scent time. To my husband? I have... 427 emails right here. Andrew Prentice is your husband right here. The outline one. Yeah, he's my husband. So there's 427 emails in here regarding a whole lot of stuff that are shady. Involving each one of them is from you or from somebody else in the institution to you. Why the hell would you say that? I don't know. Probably didn't get any sick time. No, he got time. He's SMI. He couldn't have got much time. It's hard to hear, but what she said is he probably didn't get any seg time, as in time in segregation. She says that's because Frederick Walker is designated seriously mentally ill. But SMI people do get seg time. In fact, Walker got 45 days. So for 45 days, up to 23 hours a day, He was in a cell without much stimulation at all. Some context. The U.N. says solitary confinement can be torture because it's so psychologically grueling. Hard for anyone, let alone someone with serious mental health issues. If it wasn't clear to Prentice before, she knows it now. The investigators aren't there to talk about something one of the incarcerated men did. And they aren't there to just dig up dirt on one of Prentice's co-workers. They are there for her. They've got 427 emails. For this first incident, Prentice offers a defense. Even if she had lied on her reports, said Walker threw urine when she thought it was water, it didn't matter. Throwing a liquid at a guard, urine or water, you broke the same rule. 
you're going to get the same set time. But you have to keep in mind there's discretion in what people actually end up getting punished for. And urine, well, sounds grosser, right? More likely something administrators are going to pursue for punishment. And pursue for punishment they did. In addition to seg time, Walker's case got forwarded from prison officials to the local state's attorney to be considered for criminal prosecution of Walker. These reports, the one Prentice wrote, they're powerful. And if it wasn't for the fact that she bragged about her lie in writing, there would be no way to prove that Walker hadn't thrown urine on her. People usually believe guards after all. I reached out to Prentice multiple times. She did not want to do an interview. I just want to just understand what you were thinking or why you said it. That's all. I don't know. Obviously, you were angry with the inmate. I get that. If somebody throws something on you, I mean, I wouldn't be freaking happy about it one bit. Sure. That's human nature. I'm just trying to get in your mind and wondering what you were thinking. I don't know. I'm going to step away from this interrogation to zoom in on the Walker incident for a moment. Because there's something I pieced together by matching those emails Strandberg had to other documents. Police didn't ask Prentice about it, but I think it's important context because it illustrates something I've heard over and over again from people locked inside. Something that I think this interrogation is trying to get at. That guards allegedly have an unofficial way of punishing men behind bars. And that there's ways it's hidden. So... Frederick Walker. He fully admits to throwing water on Prentice. He says she had just pepper sprayed him and he was trying to stop her from doing it again. He said he thought it pissed her off. And a few days after the water incident, Walker said two guards came to his cell and beat him. He said they never said it explicitly, but he believed it was retaliation for throwing water at Prentice. I reached Walker in prison. Prison phones are the worst. The audio is hard to understand. But he said they pulled his hands through the slot where the food trays are delivered. He took the food and he slammed it twice. We are all bam, bam, on both my arms. So I had a whole bunch of injuries on my forearms. He said after they slammed the door on his arms, they came into his cell. He said he moved to the back, but they followed. Then one of them picked him up. So he picked me up and slammed me down. So I was kind of scared that the guy would hurt me while I was on the floor. And I was trying to get up, so my back was to him. By the time I made it to my, my feet, he went to hit me in the left side of my back of my ribs real hard. Walker was later treated for a rib fracture, according to his medical records. In emails, Prentice wrote to a group of guards that Walker is reporting an injury caused by staff. She writes, quote, I did view the camera and you can see that an incident occurred, but no details. Another staff member writes back, quote, What camera did you watch? Both cameras on that end are pointing at the wall, which, obviously, not super useful. With no clear video and nothing but the word of Walker versus staff, prison administrators decided accusations from Walker were unsubstantiated. The guards were absolved. So, like I said, that beating Walker alleges, it never came up in this interrogation. 
I don't know if investigators didn't piece it together or it's not their focus. But either way, Prentice could still be in deep water here, relying on a report saying that Walker threw urine even though she believed it was water. Investigators told her lying on a report can be official misconduct, a felony. Prentice doesn't seem that worried, like it's that big of a deal. But what Prentice doesn't know, at least at this point in the interview, is that at the exact same time investigators are talking to her, an hour drive away, investigators are also talking to a former correctional officer who worked underneath her. I'm Trooper Timothy Price, Illinois State Police Division Internal Investigation, and in the room I have with me... Investigator Nick Moody, Illinois Department of Corrections. And if you'll introduce yourself, please. Uh, Andrew Edwards, former officer at Pontiac. Okay. Edwards no longer works at Pontiac, but still works for the state, in the Department of Human Services, as a caseworker. The interview is happening at his new office. The interview starts a lot like Prentice's, pretty buddy-buddy. The police officer, Price tells Edwards he, too, used to be a CO at Pontiac. You know, it's so crazy. It's like, when I was at Pontiac, man, I would have done anything to protect somebody else. Mm-hmm. If an yeah. inmate of course. kind of asked up and then everybody's going down, punch kick, whatever, I'd be the first one to admit it. I was like, all right, yeah, inmate did an assault or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll ride it out, protect each other. After a bit of friendly back and forth, how bad the people locked up at Pontiac are, how hard you work to cover your fellow employees' asses, Edwards brings up his old boss, Prentice. I work with Major Prentice. You know, she was my supervisor for the longest time, and she's kind of a hard ass, you know, but yeah, she's a yeah. female She's a female running the, you know, the worst house in the state of Illinois, you know. So right, right. she had, she's got her tough ways, but she was, I mean, I would, I would die for her. I mean, she yeah. was awesome. You know, I, I love her to death. So what's it about Sue Prentice that you're so close with her? Because she always had my back. She always she has, has her. She always has her officers' backs. Yeah, yeah. I love Sue because like she was all about. She's pro officer. Oh yeah. All about the COs. Yeah. Sue was like the one person that never backed down from anything. No, ever. Uh, ever. Yeah. And you could be like, look, like this inmate's fuck mouth me. Yeah. He's won't give a tray up. She's like, all right, let's go take care of him. Yeah. Loved it. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, what was some of the interactions that occurred whenever Sue was like a supervisor? Anything that comes to mind over that way that we would need to maybe look into a little bit? Um. No, I mean, I always thought she did shit the right way, you know, as far as her ever, like, having me do anything bogus. I mean, that never that never happened. Um, I mean, she, like I said, I'm not going to, no bad things are going to be said about her yeah. by me, so. Yeah, yeah, she's. Just for the record, state officials said Price, this police officer, did work for the Department of Corrections, just like Strandberg. But I wasn't ever able to confirm if it's true he worked with Prentice or that he was involved in the kinds of incidents he says he was. All that could be a lie, an investigation tactic to draw Edwards out. But either way, as soon as Edwards brings up Susan Prentice, the interview zeroes in on that, Price prodding Edwards to say a little more, a little more. Anything um, that Sue ever did that was kind of on the bogus side or questionable, maybe, that you can think of? Um, no. Nothing? No. 
Anything that comes to mind, you kind of hesitated there a little bit. Yeah, I was just trying to think. I mean, there's just so much shit that happens at Pontiac, you know, yeah. throughout a year, throughout a day, you know. I mean, yeah. everybody, everybody's always thrown into some kind of bogus shit, you know. Right, right. Well, what about her bogus shit? Like anything that she's said or that she's done or she's had you do or you report? I mean, maybe, you know, like stripping a guy of his property, like taking everything, you know, leaving him in there with boxers on you know I guess I never really thought that was totally right but you know sometimes if you gotta she'd have you go in there and just take his property because he because he assaulted somebody the week before these punishments the stripping out leaving men in their cells without clothes or any of their property Edwards doesn't seem that phased by admitting to this and it's also not what officer price is focused on he blows right by it what he's interested in are those 427 emails. He's got copies, too. And he starts reading okay. them. So it looks like at 4.44 p.m., you had sent Sue Prentice an email. So you said, you're definitely right about prison friends. You go through a lot of shit with those people, so it bonds you a little more. Especially when your boss wants you to go into a cell and then bite her, so it's justified why we kicked the crap out of him, LOL. So... <sighs> The first thing I want to touch on is this comment, especially when your boss wants you to kick in, wants you to go into a cell and then bite her, so it's justified why we kicked the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Yeah, that was, I mean, she came up to me one day. It was with inmate Holloway. He had just assaulted, uh, I don't know, an officer he assaulted the day before, and she was steaming in the morning at a roll call, mm-hmm. and he had a history of biting because he bit me before. She said we were going to go into a cell and do whatever we, you know, whoop up on him. And she was going to have me bite her to make it look like he did it. And so we were justified. Justified in beating him up. Because Edward said Prentice told him they should kick Walker's teeth in. And, but we never, we never did that. I mean, we never went in the, never went in a cell or anything. Okay. It got shut down. Was she laughing about it? Was she serious? I mean, she seemed fairly serious, I guess. We did. And what did you say to her? Okay. I just, I mean, I was kind of kind of hesitant at first. So, you know, I said, you know, if that's what you want to do, I guess that's what we'll do. So, just to be real clear here, even though he says it never ended up happening, Edwards just admitted that he agreed to bite Prentice so they'd have justification to assault a prisoner. And he said he was following his boss's lead. It was Prentice's idea. Back in the Prentice interview, she's learning that her former subordinate, Edwards, is also talking to the police. Strandberg tells her Edwards is cooperating talking with an investigator at this very moment about that biting email. Strandberg implies she's getting updates about what Edwards is saying. That you wanted to go into Holloway's cell and batter him, and then she and Edwards would go into the cell, and he would bite her, Edwards would bite you, until she told him to stop, and that would be the reason why they battered Holloway. Well, there's always a lot of talk. We always talk about stupid stuff, but it doesn't happen. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure they told you it didn't happen. And you wanted to kick his teeth in? 
Holloway's teeth in, and Edwards bit you. Well, if Edwards bit me, I probably would have went to the healthcare unit, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm asking you. I'm, 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 I'm not I'm here. I'm asking, asking you. you. I probably would have had to go to the healthcare unit and file a injury report, correct? That's the protocol. Strandberg starts to amp up her game, go after Prentice even harder. She prods Prentice about how close she and Edwards are. She keeps coming back to that in this interrogation. The relationships, familial, platonic, romantic. I think she's trying to get at how that tangled and messy web is part of the prison operations. Well, my point is, is somebody that likes you that much would do something for you to try to, to batter an inmate in some way. He never battered anyone. Didn't happen. It did not happen. No. It did not happen. Prentice is tough. She's not giving Strandberg much to work with. But the pressure building on Edwards? Well, it's working a little better. That's after the break. So, a recap of what's happened so far. By this point in the police interview, Prentice has been forced to all but admit that she wrote a false report on a prisoner, but she hasn't given them much else. As for Edwards, her former co-worker, at first he told police Prentice is tough, but great. Nothing bad ever happened, squeaky clean. But then he walked that back, admitted that she'd asked him to bite her, so they could frame a prisoner to justify beating him up. He says they never actually did it, but both these stories, the one about the biting email and the urine email, they both show ways staff can manipulate the story and the power that has. Guards can cover their tracks if they want to hurt someone. And they can get people in prison in trouble, time in seg, or maybe even a longer sentence. Serious stuff. All right, so remember when I told you... I asked you about bogus staff members mm-hmm. and things you heard, yeah. and you told me yeah. nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. So you lied to me a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So let's yeah. not so let's not lie yeah. about anything again, okay? Because, okay. again, we always know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, right? I know. I mean, I should have so, assumed you knew. Price basically tells Edwards, you got a cushy state job here at Human Services. But remember, you just started here. You're on probation. And I know your supervisor. I don't think he'd be happy to learn about these emails. So make sure you're safe in the face, okay? Because I'm not, I don't want to keep sitting here giving you a ton of opportunities mm-hmm. to talk when you know something. Because the best interest that you can do is to talk. And you can go back out there and you can do your work. I'm just saying there were things that occurred that we need to know about. Because I do remember back when she was a lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And same thing. You go, hey, see, that's what we got going on. She's like, all right. Go pull his ass out of the cell. We'll go put him downstairs. We'll strip him out for no reason. Things yeah. like that. Well, that's kind of what I said earlier. You know, I mean, she probably brought a lot of it on herself. I mean, I think she kind of, you know, gets off on that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. she loves she loves riling him up and seeing him get whooped up on. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely does brings a lot of it on her. And that, I mean, I very rarely saw her ever like put her hands on somebody, mainly just because she 
she can't. I mean, she can, but, you know, she's a female. So. But what Sue does do is she assembles her team, and they go down there, mm-hmm. and she says, get them, do what you got to do. And mm-hmm. I've been there and yeah. done that with yeah, her she does that. Exactly what she does. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of a certain situation where she actually said, like, you know, go in there and... I mean, she would she would always tell us, you know, just go what you do what you got to do. You know, I'll I'll cover your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, she said that all the time, and she always would. Yeah. Um, she would set a you know a, a team, and she'd say, okay, today it's you, you, you. You know, if something goes down, I don't want anybody else in the house coming because things get. One report says this thing. One report says something different. So she'd always have a little three man team. She called it that way. All the incident reports matched. Yeah. You know, because that's that was kind of the point of it. So the incident reports wouldn't get screwed up. Again, we put these allegations to Prentice. She refused to do an interview or provide a comment. Edwards tells the police officer that this three-man team, as Prentice called it, this crew that she flagged to respond to situations, it usually included a guard Prentice was, according to Edwards, having an affair with. That seems backed up by emails in which that guard sends Prentice sexual messages and she discusses meeting up with him. I feel a little gross talking about someone's personal life, but I'm bringing it up because it's an apparent affair with a subordinate and the closeness of relationships at Pontiac. It's something both staff and people in prison told me allows the abuse and cover-ups to happen. Edwards tells Price this guard was, quote, always rough around the edges. I don't know many incidents with them, but I know he was, a lot of times he was Prentice's, like, absolute go-to. We know why. Well, yeah, and not just that, but because he is a, you know, strong motherfucker and, you know, he's, he'll fight with anybody. Oh, yeah. As for Edwards himself, times he acted as part of Prentice's crew, there's really only one story he tells that gets into the specifics. It's about a guy named Marlon Billups. A little bit about Billups. He was on the mental health caseload. Staff had accused him of assault before. And he had previous run-ins with Prentice and people she was close to. In fact, a 2016 incident with him It's the only time I found where Prentice got seriously disciplined up to this point. I won't get into all the details, but in lawsuits, Billups basically said guards beat him up after he argued with Prentice. He said the guard who Prentice appeared to be having an affair with was part of it. Also present, according to prison records, though not entirely clear how much he participated, Prentice's son. So a real family affair. There's pictures of Billups where his face is swollen and bruised. It's difficult to look at. Prentice said the injuries mysteriously appeared that night, implying he did it to himself, a common accusation I've heard from staff. The guards weren't punished for assault. Investigators said there wasn't sufficient evidence. But Prentice was put on unpaid leave for not writing a report. So back to Edwards' interview. The thing to know is this guy, Phillips, he's got a history with Prentice and her people. About eight months after that first incident, he covered up the window to his cell. That's not allowed. Guards went into his cell, including Edwards and that guard Prentice appeared to be having an affair with. And then, according to Edwards, Prentice, standing at the door, looking on. You know, she had told me, she, you know, before we went in, she goes, you know, nothing in the face, you know, as far as hitting him, whatever. And, 
he he was much squirrelier than I thought, and I kicked him in the mouth. You know, he got some stitches. Um, okay, and did she tell you to do that? No, or did she no that was me. Okay. I just kind of lost my shit. You know, he's trying to he's trying to assault us, and I just saw, you know, wasn't even thinking, and I did it. Okay, gotcha. And she knew it? She knew that she had kicked him in the I don't know. I mean, there was so much going on right there. You know, I don't know for sure if she saw me do it. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, I told her I did. Okay. I got you, man. Been there, done it. Yeah. I, sometimes they may get their ass whooped. And yeah. I got it coming. It's cool. Yeah. In a report, staff wrote Billups tried to run out of his cell. But no one, including Edwards, mentioned that kick, which they should have. It's supposed to be in the official version of anything important that happened. In her report, Prentice says Billups had a lip injury, but didn't say anything about Billups getting kicked, even though Edwards said he told her he did it. As far as I can tell, this time, there weren't any repercussions for any of the staff. The thing that struck me most when I pieced together the Billups incidents is how casual Edwards is. Like, these kinds of things are so normal, it's almost inconsequential. At one point, he says he knows he was in the wrong with how he treated Billups. But then, after admitting all this, Edwards basically says, but none of this is serious stuff, right? Happens all the time. I was never involved in anything real, real serious. I mean, would you flub a story a little bit? Yeah, you know, if you say the guy, you got him in the cell and then he tried spinning on you, maybe he didn't, you know, but you just roughed him up a little more than what he had to be. I mean, I'm not going to say that never, you know, never yeah, happened. I got you, man. Trust me. I'm, I'm with you, dude. We're on the same page. I get it. Other things, I mean, like I said, you know, yeah, I've, I've lied on incident reports before, but I think basically any in, or any officer that ever worked there probably has. I mean, at the time, you're just doing it just because you're looking out for everybody else. Sure. You know anybody that was doing that type of stuff? Well, I'm sure everybody. Yeah. After two hours of talk, Edward's interview ends. All right, well, if that's the case, we'll conclude the interview. Time is 12.55 p.m. Besides wading through this interview tape, I also read hundreds of emails, complaints from prisoners, incident reports written by guards, medical documents of injuries. It was a lot to make sense of. So I took it to one of the first people who I had heard about Prentice from. Hi. The Uptown People's Law Center is in Chicago, in the storefront of an old two-story building. The sign is a simple vinyl banner stretched above the doorway. The place looks like it's held together with spit and string. But almost all the major class action lawsuits in Illinois prisons lead back to here, specifically to Alan Mills. He's the executive director and has been working there since 1979. Hey, team. Hi. Hi. Alan, it's good to see you. You too. Good to see anybody. <laughs> the building is a maze inside, like the offices were shaken up and rolled like dice. At one spot, you have to go outside on a sidewalk to get between them. I would suggest your coat. Unfortunately, on the walls is artwork made by people in prison. Uh, people get very creative. I don't know what he actually used. Um, Skittles are, if you ever see color, it's probably Skittles that people are using. Huh. There's a floor-to-ceiling bookshelf full of letters from prisoners asking for help. Staff say more than 100 letters a week come in, and they read and respond to every single one. Over the years, Mills said they've seen a pattern emerge, with Prentice, but other staff too. A cycle of retaliation. 
describe to me what you've heard and understand about how cycles of retaliation might work inside. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about it. I've sued about it. It happens all of the time. Rather than allowing the disciplinary process to do its job, guards often will take it upon themselves to immediately impose their own discipline against the prisoner. Sort of, you hit one of ours, so we're going to hit you even harder. And as I said before, guards ultimately are going to win those battles. So there may be a retaliation cycle, but somebody really has the upper hand. Absolutely. The stories he's heard from people inside often unfold like this. A prisoner will do something a guard doesn't like. Maybe something big like an assault, throwing a bodily fluid. Maybe something small, like just running his mouth. Then staff will retaliate, conveniently forget to give someone a meal. Maybe get physical, maybe use pepper spray. And it will just keep escalating over and over again, the same pattern. When I show Mills the emails, the medical reports of injuries, nothing surprises him. Still, when he reads this stuff, I can see him having a physical reaction, moving uneasily in his chair, even flinching like someone tried to hit him. It's disturbing to see it in black and white. Uh, It just is. I mean, again, you know it happens all the time, but to see how how confident they are in themselves that they can just write this down in a format that anybody can read. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the good way to think of this is that they're technologically ignorant and don't think about the fact that somebody might actually look at at email someday and think they're really private when obviously they're on a state system, so they're not. But uh, I'm afraid that the real answer is they know perfectly well nobody cares. And in these allegations of abuse, there's one person's name that comes up a lot. Susan Prentice. How often does her name come up in letters, calls? Oh, um, at Pontiac for a while anyway, it was coming up daily. I mean, more than daily, (laughs) multiple times a day in the letters. For a while, she was in charge of the unit that has the mental health unit in it. And everybody there would complain about her all of the time. The complaints about Prentice have been stacking up for years in letters to the Uptown People's Law Center. And now Prentice is sitting across from someone, an investigator, who has laid out the case using Prentice's own emails. A case of how she's framing people in prison, and if not beating them up, then at least enabling it to happen. It seems Strandberg, the police officer, has given up any pretense of being friendly, building rapport. The investigator from the Department of Corrections, remember, he's in the room too, also says they've got the goods for criminal charges. You know a lot of unethical things that go on in this facility. You know a lot of inmates get their asses beat in this facility and that you turn a blind eye or you support it. And that's fine. But I'm telling you what, that's unethical and that's wrong and it isn't appropriate. And you know these things. And we know you know it. And we have the facts that you do do it. I don't do it. I report what I witness. If you want to stick to that... That's fine. I've been a fucking police officer for 22 years, and you've been in the Department of Corrections for 23 years. There's stuff that we see out there and hasn't been reported? No. So for you to say, in all your years in this facility, you have never seen anything go on without reporting it. That's bullshit, I mean, you know that. That's bullshit. I didn't say that to you. You said you report everything you see, and that's bullshit. What did I say? You said I, said I learned my. I, if no, no, I no. saw it, I report it. My question is, in all these years, okay, for instance, 20 years, my question is you. You've looked a blind eye to several things, to many things. That's why I'm asking you. Yes or no? Depending on, depending on what it is. 
Well, it does depend. Hairs, Kim. You're no, I'm hairs. not splitting hairs. It does depend on what it is. You know, inmates. You know, shit rolls what, down. What if an inmate you threw, there. threw something on somebody and they didn't feed him a tray? Might I turn a blind eye? Yeah, I don't necessarily know it for sure, Wait, but whatever. We're talking, come on, but if we're, we're talking, talking about somebody being here. beat up, come no, I'm not, you know I'm not doing it. You know, they get beat up. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. You know, other people do it for you. Or you let it happen. And Absolutely you know not. It. Absolutely not. You lied in a report to get a guy more seg time. How was that okay? I never said it was okay. I mean, I, just like I told you, I don't know what my mindset was when I wrote it. I don't know what my mindset was when That's I talked to my misconduct. That's a felony. I understand that. Talking to these guys conspiring to beat an inmate up. That's official misconduct. That's a felony. Well, we didn't if, do it. I, if you, I don't guess I don't understand. But what else have you done? If you're willing to do these two things... Obviously, I wasn't willing to do it, or we would have done it. Well, you did this one. You admitted to it already. I did. I said, I don't know why I said that. I, and, I, and I don't. I don't know why I said that. Right. You know, I'm trying right. to be honest with you All as right. far as I, that goes. All right. There's nothing else to talk about, okay? Is there anything else you want to say about anything regarding this? No? Okay. This will conclude the interview. The time is 12.59 p.m. After this interview, state police forwarded their investigation to prosecutors to decide on criminal charges. But charges were never brought. Edwards is still working at the Illinois Department of Human Services as a caseworker. He never responded to our questions. Prentice would not comment either. And in response to our detailed list of questions, the Illinois Department of Corrections said only that they take excessive force allegations extremely seriously and have a process in place to conduct thorough investigations. They said, quote, when investigations are substantiated, IDOC will take disciplinary action, up to and including termination. But here's what actually happened in Prentice's case. They did open an investigation, looking at the same emails the police did, to decide if she should be disciplined at work. And that investigation did conclude that Prentice gave false information on a report. But she wasn't fired. I mean, what it tells me is nothing has changed, you know, for decades, it was pretty clear that the way to get promotions in the Department of Corrections was to be abusive towards inmates and that the abusive people end up being the supervisors. Uh, I thought that some of that had changed and they were doing a much more better job of professionalizing at least the warden level. But apparently down at the, what is she, a major, right? Major apprentice? Yeah. She's a major. Right. Down at the major level, that is still true, uh, that your ability, your willingness to be brutal will only get you promoted. Why can somebody like this have so much power? Um, because our prison system is based on inflicting punishment, and that's all they do. I think what Mills is getting at here is maybe the state doesn't fire people like Prentice because they are doing their job, actually doing what they've been asked to do. At one point in his police interview, Edwards alludes to something similar, at least as I understand him. 
He's talking about the first incident with a prisoner named Billups. That's the one where there's a picture of him with a swollen eye and a bruised face. The one where Prentice got a short suspension over a failure to report. After the incident, Edward says Prentice and members of her team, including him, got moved out of that cell house, the cell house with so many mentally ill people. But after a few months, he said administrators moved Prentice and her team right back. Edward's theory? The other guards couldn't handle it. What she did worked. Her methods kept people under control. And that's what the bosses wanted. Because she's one of the only majors, I think, that could, that could handle it mentally. I mean, you know, she comes in and brings her crew with her. And within a couple of weeks, it's kind of more cleaned up, you know. So she's just, uh, in my eyes, she's the best. Prentice kept her job until she retired in 2021. She was never charged. But there was someone else who was. Frederick Walker, the guy Prentice accused of throwing urine, even though she thought it was water. In his case, the state's attorney did decide to bring felony charges for that very incident. Those charges were eventually dropped, but only after we uncovered Prentice's emails and started asking questions. Next week, we look at a prison trial that did happen. In fact, multiple trials of another man, also with mental illness, also incarcerated at Pontiac. So he went in for seven years, and all of a sudden he's not coming home for 100 years. And what in the hell happened that got us to that point? And we hear about the person behind these decisions, someone who does not work for the prison, the local state's attorney elected by citizens of the county where the prison is located, with the power to decide when prisoners or guards get charged. That's next time on Motive. Motive is a production of WBEZ Chicago. I'm Shannon Heffernan. Jesse Dukes is our producer. Marie Mendoza is our associate producer. Joe Dassault makes this episode. Nicole Pasolka is our fact checker. Our editor is Rob Wildeboer. Our executive producer is Kevin Dawson. Tracy Brown is our chief content officer. We had additional production and reporting help from Colin McNulty, Candice Mattel-Khan, and Arnold Padrum. Special thanks to Matt Topic and Rachel Un at Lovey & Lovey. Original music by Q Shop. If you like Motive, please tell your friends and share it on social media. <laughs> <laughs>